Guys, it kind of feels like, it smells like, I don't know, it seems like this is a revolution. Kia ora e te whanau, ko Bevan Morgan ahau, and you are listening to All Elite Aotearoa, New Zealand's most elite podcast all about All Elite Wrestling. This is the first episode, so thanks for joining me. I'm looking forward to going over all the latest AEW news and results, and previewing what is coming up in the best wrestling promotion in the entire world. So hey, let's get to it. So, as I mentioned up top, my name is Bevan Morgan. I'm going to be host of this podcast for the foreseeable future. I say foreseeable future because I have no real plans at the moment. This whole thing is a bit of a stab in the dark, and in all honesty, I'm just hoping for the best. A little bit of background may be helpful, just so you can understand where I am coming from. I'm a long-time on-and-off wrestling fan. I first started watching wrestling in about 1996 when Sky used to play episodes of WCW Worldwide. As you'll know, that's when the NWO was heating up and launching into the stratosphere. And it was a very confusing time for an 11-year-old who thought he knew that wrestling was fake. It was like, wait, that's Hulk Hogan. He was a big-time wrestler. I have his toy somewhere. Why is everyone booing him? And why is he being so mean? And why are they hitting them so hard? I was a proper, proper mark. But I really got into it about 1998 when I started college. On Friday nights, we would get the worldwide one-hour edition of Nitro. It was probably three or four months behind what was happening in the USA, but that didn't matter. Um, In the traditional narratives, 1998 is really seen as the beginning of the end for WCW. But for me, that was absolutely not the case. I mean, there were guys like Goldberg, Jericho, Mysterio, Malenko, Kidman, and the whole NWO Wolfpack running wild all over the place, having these dynamite matches. I just realized, I've just caught myself saying that. I should specify the Wolfpack and Goldberg weren't necessarily having great matches, but they were having great segments. I mean, as far as I was aware, Goldberg was the best wrestler of all time. I didn't sort of understand that those two-minute squash matches were more because he was so bad rather than he was so good. But, I I mean, I loved them. Oh, my God, that spear. I still think he has the best spear in wrestling, to be fair. I do cringe a lot when I see someone like Edge do it. It just doesn't look right. To me, that era of wrestling was basically like perfect programming, and I was absolutely in love. Unfortunately, though, by 1999, the end really was beginning and the product became unwatchable um, and I basically lost interest. I I lost interest not just in WCW, though. I lost interest in wrestling basically altogether. And you may be wondering how that's possible when there was the Attitude Era being screened a couple of stations over on TV4. Well, simply put, I wasn't really that much of a fan of the WWF. I would watch it. And I liked some elements of it. But even back then, I could see that the Attitude Era was a mess. As a pubescent boy, who apparently had no respect for women, I was interested in Sable. But the actual wrestling left me kind of cold most of the time. And some of those gimmicks really made my eyes roll. Which is something to say, because 14-year-old boys, especially in the late 90s, kind of dumb. So once WCW vanished, I didn't tune into WWF. just wasn't for me. I just kind of disappeared from wrestling. By 2003, I decided I missed it. I have no idea why, but I just did. So I started watching again, and that began a 16-year love-hate relationship with WWE. I remember the SmackDown product being really good that year, and I was totally on board with it. It was that Paul Heyman-directed stuff, and particularly leading into WrestleMania 19 with Brock Lesnar and with Kurt Angle, 
Still some of my favourite stuff I've actually ever seen in wrestling. But the crap they were wheeling out on Raw really should have been like a harbinger of things to come. Over the next four years, I sat through a lot of WWE shows, more out of obligation than anything else. For every Eddie Guerrero, it seemed like that there were four disasters, like Mordecai or Heidenreich or Eugene or racist crap like Muhammad Hassan. By the time of the Benoit murders, I decided I was done with the Fed. It just seemed like the most uh, like horrendous possible organization to support. I tried getting into TNA. There was some cool stuff there. I loved some of those matches, and I thought it was a pretty big deal when Kurt Angle moved over there. I thought that, you know, I didn't know he was a burden on WWE. I wasn't really into the dirt sheets or anything like that, so I thought they just made a major get. Um, of course, later on, Hogan joined, and every was fair that we all had as fans about Hogan joining TNA came to fruition, um, even more so, arguably, and the show was never the same again from that point on. By about 2014, I decided to give WWE another crack. I watched the product and I started writing about it for What Culture, sort of as a freelancer and doing various columns and various articles about old wrestling, but also the stuff I was watching. What I noticed quite quickly, though, was I was mainly complaining about it and writing about the, like, the politics of it all, as opposed to writing anything celebrating what I was watching. And I really got tired of the negativity. I like It just seemed so cynical and so clickbaity and just so soul-crushing. So I tapped out. Tap, tapped out? Get it? Um, in between, I'd watch Lucha Underground, which I thought was awesome. Um, and I would occasionally check out Impact still in the hopes that they were going to turn it around. Started watching New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, Wrestle Kingdoms. I found it a bit difficult to get into the rest of the product just because of the way it's structured and because the access to it wasn't as good then as it was now. Um, and I never really watched whole shows of anything, to be honest. I just would scour the internet for things that were exciting and fresh and discovered a lot of really cool things that were going on in the independent scene. Then of course, All In happened and All In got me so damn excited. It felt like a real game changer, but there had been so many false dawns in the past. I didn't want to get too excited the whole time, the whole build up and the whole, even when the event itself happened, I was cautiously optimistic that we would have something cool come out of it but I was so scared of it leading to another impact or heaven forbid, like a, a global force wrestling. I don't know if anyone out there remembers the uh, massive Ponzi scheme that was global force wrestling. What a absolute basket case that thing was. And of course, though, we, we know that's not what happened. From the moment that the press conference announcing AEW happened, um, I mean, I was prepared to drop money on them straight away because they seemed like the real deal. People could call them a t-shirt company all they wanted, but I didn't, I didn't care. I, I had faith. I knew there was enough good talent and some actual money this time. When you saw Chris Jericho walk out, you're like, okay, this is interesting. I think I can finally let my guard down. And I've never regretted it since. I've watched every pay-per-view, every episode of Dynamite. I've even watched every episode of Rampage, which, okay, yeah, that's not much of a... Uh, much of an achievement when they've had four episodes. But I'm still proud of it. I haven't watched every episode of Dark or Elevation. I, I don't know if anyone has watched every episode of Dark or, Dark or Elevation. But I'm making more of an effort in those spaces because honestly, I feel like AEW are making more of an effort in that space. And okay, that was all very self-indulgent. I, I realize that. So thank you for sticking with me if you still have. If you've left, well, you won't be hearing this anyway. So I'm sorry you've gone. But if you have stuck with me, thank you very much. I know that was all very self-indulgent, but hopefully you can relate to it. And I swear I will never talk about myself that much ever again. But why this podcast? Well, basically, I don't have any friends that are interested in wrestling like I am. And I get it. I'm pushing 40. We all have kids and jobs and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff now. But it is my fandom, and I love it. And I think that this is the most exciting thing to happen in this space since I was 13 years old. I relate to AEW in the same way that I related to WCW back then, and I'm not particularly 
interested in all the machinations and all the drama. Well, that's not true. I do, I do still sort of love that. But primarily, I love the content. And that's such a refreshing, uh, that's such a refreshing feeling and such a change. The thing is, I'm often scrolling Twitter when events are on because there is something about sharing in the excitement of others when awesome things happen like Brian Danielson and Adam Cole debut on the same pay-per-view after Ruby Soho and Minoru Suzuki have been earlier in the card. Most of the content I consume about AEW comes from either the USA or the UK, which is completely understandable, but I do see other Kiwis online who are big fans of the product too. And I would love to be able to connect and facilitate some content that is a bit more local in focus. What that looks like now, I don't really know. And the obvious thing is social media and emails, but it would be cool to be able to share in discussions in the podcast too, either by Zoom or phone or if you're in Kitty Kitty Door in person. I don't know, this is, this is literally the first episode and I'm just trying something new for Aotearoa. We have people doing this in the WWE space as far as I know. So I think it would be cool if we can go all out in the AEW space. Yes, I'm aware that's two dad jokes I've done so far. I'm sorry, I won't do any more. And going forward, I will try to keep them until a minimum. But you've got to admit, they were both crackers. I should also emphasize though that I realize I just bagged WWE quite a bit there. This isn't an anti-WWE podcast. Like, I'll take pot shots at them, but I'll take pot shots at AEW too, and ROH, and Impact, and Boxing, and UFC, and myself, and lots of other things. None of it will be too mean-spirited, because this is meant to be fun. WWE is absolutely not for me. That's the simple truth. But I know it is for lots of other people. And the most important thing is that people just watch what they enjoy. And besides, there is this whole cottage industry I've noticed of people crapping all over WWE on the internet. And I don't have anything decent to add to that space. I, like, I'm not actually totally anti-tribalism. I think the competition and loyalty can be kind of fun. It's one of the things I love about real sports. It just doesn't need to be toxic or personal. And that's where, of course, everything goes wrong in fandom. Um, so we're going to try and avoid that here. Because people do take it so seriously. and that's. Not necessary because ultimately this is just wrestling. And that, I think, is actually a really nice opportunity to segue to a news section because there is a news item from the past week that I think really illustrates and touches on a lot of those issues around toxic fandom and tribalism really well. So let's go with the news. There was plenty of news in the wrestling world last week, um, and in specifically in regards to All Elite Wrestling, but there's just the two stories that I would like to focus on today that I thought were, were pretty interesting and pretty fascinating to come up. The first concerns Brian Danielson writing an open letter to WWE the night before his first match in All Elite Wrestling. I'm sure you've all seen it, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but I thought it was such a such a good thing for him to do and I don't mean that in just in terms of the political element of it in terms of like securing the opportunity for future employment and keeping that bridge unburned I also think it was actually just a really good thing to do in terms of modeling behavior and presenting a different perspective for fans I, I think that when Brian spoke to the audience after All Out went off the air. You can, you can find this on YouTube. And he mentioned that he didn't hate WWE, I'm paraphrasing, but mentioned that he didn't hate where he came from. He got a lot of booze, and I think that might have shaken him up a little bit. I think he might have even been shocked by the level of anger towards WWE in that Chicago crowd that he thought, maybe it's time for me to model better attitudes or to really make it clear that if you want to support me you have to support the fact that I'm coming from a place of positivity and we've seen in AEW a lot of disgruntled wrestlers and I think that's fine they should be disgruntled based off their experiences you can't take that away from them and they are allowed to complain about it or complain's not the wrong that's the wrong word they're allowed to vent about it and express their frustrations I'm, I'm totally okay with that but I thought it was a really classy and savvy move from Brian to go out and do that and I really admire it and I think that 
it strengthens that message of being fans of all wrestling when you've got him and Adam Cole together both presenting a positive view of where they've come from I mean it's not going to make me watch WWE anytime soon but I thought it was pretty cool the other news story just quickly that I think is just fascinating and kind of flew under the rug with everything else was AEW signing Santnam Singh to a developmental contract so he's well not a developmental contract he's just signed to a contract he's training with the nightmare family but he's a seven foot three basketballer the first basketballer from india to ever be drafted into the nba to the dallas mavericks had a tryout for wwe a few years ago but aside from that no real wrestling experience this is crazy wwe take celebrities or other people they're the ones that have signed gabe stevenson uh, gabe stevenson to a contract but that makes sense he's a wrestler this guy's a basketballer and he's huge he's a shoot seven foot three he's not seven foot three as in like what we were talking about with the big show in the late 90s where it, suddenly his weight got up to 600 pounds and i think he was about 12 feet tall this guy's actually seven three which is really unique particularly in the aew locker room the only guys that can think of it being that size in wrestling are not great examples they're you know a great Kali also happened to be Indian and giant Gonzalez which I mean he made the great Kali look like Jushin, Jushin Thunder Liger anywho I just thought that was a really interesting story that Khan is really doing some interesting things in that recruitment space outside of free agency in terms of developing homegrown talent and this will be one of the first guys they just completely build from scratch. I mean, even Anthony Agogo has experience in boxing, which is some sort of combat sport. I don't know. I just think that that was a mind-boggling announcement that people didn't really pay that much attention to because of everything else going on. And I'm so curious to see how it pans out. I'm so curious to see how this former basketball player is on the mic, how he is in the ring. And how he's going to work that style against other AEW wrestlers. Well, let's watch the space, I suppose. And that's basically the news for the past week that I wanted to cover. Moving on then, that gives us the chance to have a look at the TV itself from last week. We're going to be looking at Dynamite and Rampage. We won't get into the darks just yet. We'll maybe look at that a bit more in the future. But for the moment, we're going to focus on the two big shows because, my God, they were big shows last week. So obviously, we're going to start with the big, big show. As, as you all know by now, last week was the AEW Grand Slam shows. They were taking place in Arthur Ashe Stadium, the site of the US Open in Queens, New York. Just an absolutely astonishing sight to see that massive stadium filled with 20,000 plus people. The biggest crowd that they've ever had for a dynamite in New York City as well. I mean, so many statements. We all know that that's WWE territory. And they were really, really sort of making not a passive aggressive statement, just a straight out aggressive statement. And they went out pretty much as strong as you could ever imagine. It's hard to talk about the Danielson and Omega match because it's been talked about so much and I have nothing particularly original to add. It was basically one of the most perfect wrestling matches I've ever seen. The half an hour felt like half of that time. It felt like 15 minutes max. It was brutal in the most beautiful ways. Those two went out there and kicked and chopped the crap out of each other. Brian's chest within the first, I don't know, 10 minutes looked like spaghetti with all the broken capillaries and sticking out veins and bruising. It was fantastic. I just love that they went out there and did a New Japan style show. And the athleticism from both of them was incredible. The storytelling was just beautiful the shots i know i've just touched on already but some of those shots were just so stiff the v triggers 
that running V trigger he did down the ramp. I mean, it was amazing. I couldn't even run down that ramp. I would slip over and fall straight on my face, let alone launching into a safe V trigger that doesn't kill your opponent. Although, I mean, to say that, I assume it, it looked, I think it was safe. Maybe it wasn't. They, they were going so hard and so stiff. Maybe it was just as brutal as it actually looked. The time limit draw, absolutely perfect booking. You could see it sort of coming, but I don't, I mean, I don't mind that. It had to be that. I hate the idea of Omega losing a non-title match um, after, particularly after not much build in terms of the rivalry. And I didn't think it was right for Danielson to just go straight over like that either. I think this builds to something much more special. And we have hopefully another match another couple of matches in in the works i don't know i mean i could i could watch them go at it plenty more times i mean i'm still desperately keen for hangman to be the one to take the title of kenny i still think that's the way that they have to go but i mean i i trust them to go the correct route with this and the fact that daniel bryanson Daniel Bryanson, Brian Danielson. My goodness, it's that change of name has really screwed me up, as well as a lot of other people, I think. Um, Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega can hopefully have multiple battles over the next few years. I, amazing. I just, nothing else to add to it other than it was just fantastic. I particularly enjoyed afterwards that they brought out CM Punk to have a, have a chat to continue as. Um, little autumn of love tour that he's going on. Um, I think it was definitely the right uh, right decision. I, I would hate to be, as he said, I'd hate to be the one to follow that up because you're basically giving someone an impossible task. And I thought that it really gave a nice balance to the show. Really enjoyed what he had to say. I thought his promo itself told a good story that you'd like to see in a match. It starts slowly builds and builds and builds and hits a lovely crescendo so they did they did really well with that and that brought the tone down a little bit and sort of gave everyone a chance to catch their breath before we got the MJF and Brian Pillman Jr. match I am a little bit annoyed that they did not give MJF the mic I cannot really understand it. I guess it was a time thing but I, I think you've got MJF in front of 20,000 people in a place like New York. You make time. I, 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 you cut something because that, I think, was a lost opportunity. He is a heat magnet. He is amazing. And some of his promo work recently, particularly in the build-up to this fight against Pillman, has been some of the best I've ever seen. I am in love with this man's microphone work. I think if someone could get me a cameo of him abusing the crap out of me for my birthday, I would I would be a very happy camper. The match itself was good. I mean, it was it was exactly what it needed to be. It was sort of a, a chance to catch your breath and come down of the high of that first match. And it was really 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 solid i think that they did a really good job pillman it's hard to believe he's been in the business for what is it three years i think don't don't quote me on that but he it's pretty recent and the way they tied it in with the dark side of the ring stuff about his father was i mean it, it it's a fine line between exploitation and genius it, it really is but i i think they did um i think they did a fantastic job in, in, in the match itself. And I am happy to see MJF go over. I think that was the right call. I think that Pillman is on the ascendancy anyway. I think he's got such a bright future. He's got such a good look. He's got the talent. I, I really look forward to seeing what he what he brings to the table. Which, of course, leads us to one of the... Matches I was most nervous about. Um, the Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes battle. Now, this Cody Rhodes situation is is really unique. I it's it's amazing how there has been this subtle shift from him being one of the hottest baby faces 
like in the history of the business um, coming out as just this on fire baby face for months and months and months doing these amazing segments, utterly incredible segments. Do you remember in the lead up to his match with MJF last year, he had that cage match against Wardlow after the show. They, they, they put it on YouTube where he was just speaking to the crowd afterwards and he said, look, this is the best dynamite we've ever done, which was true at the time, definitely true at the time. And, you know, he was given this sort of fire speech about AEW going forward and he just had the crowd eating out of his hand. He had me out eating out of his hand at home in my Lazy Boy. It was breathtaking stuff. And Somewhere along the line, there's been that change. There's been that switch to where now he is getting booed out of the building. He has got that real go-away hate. And I'm not sure specifically what it was, but I know I'm party to it. I, I loved Cody. I, I thought he was amazing. I loved what he was doing with his work. And I was really dreading this match. I thought he was definitely going to go over and I thought it would have really just been a waste of a really wonderful feud and some amazing work that Black has been doing over the past six weeks since he debuted. I think I think he has been amazing. I think his whole, um, his style is great in the ring, but also everything around it i love his entrance i love his interview skills i love the little details like the black eye um i i think he's just been absolutely crushing it and i was really terrified that cody was going to get his win back like he did with Brody lee and i'm guessing that's where a lot of this um anger comes from i mean i know there were people hating on him right from the start which i think is silly um i don't really buy into a lot of the criticism that he's their version of Triple H. Um, for a start, that's they're like chalk and cheese in so many ways in terms of power within, like prior to, I'm talking about prior to AEW, power within organizations. Um, but also, they, the like Triple H, in terms of today, I, I don't know if you, insult someone by calling them Triple H. He's pretty beloved um, in terms of the work that he did with NXT. I didn't watch much NXT, but when I did watch it, you know, I tuned into a few takeovers and stuff. It was awesome. Okay, I think the NXT that he was doing before they had to go on to Wednesday nights and that kind of thing, so I wasn't a regular watcher, but based off the energy of the fans online and that kind of thing, and everyone I spoke to, and what I did see with my own eyes, uh, Triple H has a real good sense of how to run a product. So I don't know if it's necessarily an insult. Anyway, I'm getting way off track. I'm getting so far off track. I'm sorry about that. The match. Um, yeah, I, 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 I was pleasantly surprised. I really thought that Cody was going to get his win back. Um, I thought that... The crowd made it a little bit surreal. I did feel, I felt sorry for Cody. I think he must have known that they were going to boo the ever-loving piss out of him. And maybe he's just an amazing actor, and I am just a big, dumb, smelly mark. But I was, I thought I thought he looked slightly taken aback by it all. And it did make it sort of a little bit strange that the <laughs> the, the guy who's definitely meant to be the heel in the story was... Yeah, absolutely been picked up by the crowd and was loved um so i i have no criticism of the crowd because i would have been in the same shoes if i was there i wanted black to win and i was stoked that he won um i didn't even mind that it was i think it was fine that it was a like a, a screw ending i think that that's absolutely the right route as well i personally would like to see the end of this feud in terms of i don't want to see a third match because I do definitely think that Cody would win that one. I kind of just like the idea that he's run through the family. I, I just don't imagine that would be uh, the scenario. In terms of Cody going forward as well, I, I really don't know what to think. I, I don't know if it's sort of too late for him. I know he's talked about he doesn't want to be a heel, and he won't make that turn. So, okay, maybe he can't embrace this newfound antipathy from the crowd, but maybe just cool it with the 78 person entourages and maybe cool it with the Homelander outfit 
and maybe call it with the USA flag in general. It's that USA speech he did a while back. I know it's people have flogged the dead horse on this one, but that really was cringe. That really was a heel turn for me as a New Zealand fan at home watching this product. I I mean, I hated it for want of a better word. And I I still think Cody's awesome. I still thank him. Like I'll I'll always be a a bit of a mark for him because of AEW. So, you know, he's got, I've got his back regardless in terms of as a fan, I've got his back. What, What does that mean? Yeah. If he ever gets into a fight, I'm sure he really wants me there. Just, you know, screaming in the distance. Never mind. The next match, another one I know we've we've talked about so much. Oh, just going through this card again is so surreal living it and just remembering all this stuff. The FTR versus Sting and Darby Allen. Sting is 62 years old. 62! Are you kidding me? Are you joking me? I I rem- I Okay, sorry. Huge Sting fan back in the day. Huge Sting fan back in the day. As I said, came into wrestling with WCW in the late 90s, okay? So, big, big fan of Sting. Still a bit bitter at WWE about what they did with him when he wrestled for them and was, (laughs) frankly, furious at Seth Rollins for that stupid buckle bomb that at the time we thought had ended his career so it was so cool when he came to AEW last year I was it's a very conflicted legacy for me because that day um I was in the hospital with my daughter my daughter my wife and I were in the hospital with our daughter she'd been sick and she'd been there the night and we were very stressed out and very tired and very sad and she was asleep at the time um and I remember lying on the bed with her and I was watching Dynamite. I, I, you know, got the Wi-Fi going and was watching it on Fight TV. And it was a really good episode, wasn't it? And there was a lot that went on in that episode that was memorable. But Sting coming back <laughs> was very memorable. And I remember trying to keep cool because I had a very sick daughter who we had gotten to sleep which was kind of a big deal and I was in the bed with her trying not to freak out um yeah and so both very highs and very lows of emotions that day but again sorry with the sidetracking getting back to his his role in AEW I remember thinking well I trust that they're going to do well with him here I didn't think he was going to wrestle I didn't think he had it in him as far as I knew he was retired from in the ring or would you know, be very, very limited. Um, I thought we would just get perhaps cinematic matches, keeping in mind that we didn't know how long it would be till crowds came back. Um, and and then, you know, the next step was he, you know, he came out for that match with Darby Allen a while back and he was wearing a shirt. And we we're like, oh, yeah, okay, Sting's wearing a shirt. I, okay, no judgment from me. I will not take my shirt off in public for uh, you could pay me $200 and I would say no um, and that's more for other people's sake more than my own even um, but the you know we were sort of like okay he's wearing a shirt the guy's 62 fair enough and then of course he subverts our expectations by taking a shirt off and the guy's still ripped especially for a dude of that age and he can still go so <laughs> you know I shouldn't have been surprised in this match to see Sting go but he went, and he was amazing. And, you know, the balance of the match... This is weird. You've got to give FTR so much credit. They really are wrestling geniuses. I remember hearing them in an interview with Chris Jericho talking about how, you know, their whole thing that they want to do is be the guys that they are in terms of that old-school, arsehole sort of just-fists-no-flips type wrestler to make other people look good and they are so good at it they are so good at it they made sting look like a million bucks and taking taking a bump on the apron are you kidding me 
taking i mean the coffin drop is already like that's already terrifying as it is for the person you know doing it for darby allen but for cash wheeler to then you know receive that bump on the apron after uh, like you know he he ripped a hole in his arm a little while ago talk about commitment to the bit and to 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 the to the art to making the the bit was a really i i regret using that term just now it is an art talk about commitment to your craft and your art he really puts his body on the line to make other people look good that match was amazing i loved it i just absolutely loved it i didn't it, it was one of my favorites of the night. I, I, again, it's not, it's as much the, the bias and the sentimentality, I suppose, of seeing 62 year old Sting still going out there and crushing it. But I won't apologize for that because that's part of what wrestling is. The next match, of course, the AEW Women's Championship. And really cool, really cool that I think they, they gave this match, they, they had a title match to close the show, to be the main event. One of the big criticisms that's pretty well-founded against AEW is the way that they have handled the women's division. I mean, I think it's definitely on the improve. It's getting much better. That roster is definitely getting deeper. There are some good feuds, but there's a lot of work to do, and you have to give credit to the Fed for, in the past at least, my understanding is it's not necessarily that great at the moment, but it has been really spectacular in the past few years, particularly culminating with Becky Lynch winning the title at WrestleMania in the main event. Um, so, you know, credit to them where it's due. AEW could probably learn a bit from that. And as I say, I'm optimistic. I think things are getting better. And I think that this was a step in the right direction, particularly, particularly because these two are great workers. And I thought this was a, this was a good match. Again, I'm... I, I think the crowd were probably a little bit, um, <clears throat> not tired, but like, it, it, you know, they'd seen some stuff already and it was probably a little bit more difficult to get up for this one quite as much as they would have if this one opened the show. But I still think they did the right thing. They showed respect to the performers and they showed respect to the championship. I think that um, the right decision personally for me was... Um, booked so I, I was you had to assume Britt Baker was going to go over but you had to also assume that they couldn't just give you know Ruby a, a a clean loss in her first match again I think it sets up a really wonderful rivalry uh, going forward I think that um, it was fine to have that interference I think there was some some great Great maneuvers. Love the big senton bomb from Ruby Riot. Um, there's some very stiff shots in there as well. This has been a feud that I think has been excellent. Um, obviously capped by that back and forth they had last week on Rampage that everyone was talking about. That was a lot of fun, and it, <laughs> I feel like there were it was quite a bit of corpsing in it because they were enjoying it so much too. So really great way to end the show. I, I, what can you say about Britt Baker? You know, from the start of her AEW run, she was a bit shaky. She came out as this baby face that seemed to be getting pushed, and nobody seemed to understand why. Nobody really thought she was that great, and they sort of. I, this is the general attitude I got anyway from fans was they felt it was a bit undeserved, and then when she made her heel turn, she did it in such a brilliant way and it has been so much fun everything that she's done in terms of the stuff with tony the stuff with you know quote reba um the the way she has hammed up her role as a dentist which i just thought would be an absolute death gimmick it's been sensational she's she's a star she's incredible and it's so good to see ruby riot um, in a place where she's being utilized and seems to be legitimately happy. We've all seen the clip from the pay-per-view from All Out where she's, you know, hugging Bruce Ramsford, um, Bryce, sorry, Bryce Ramsford, oh my God. Uh, Bryce Ramsford, one of the nicest moments, one of the most wholesome moments we'll ever see in this sport. Yeah, awesome stuff. Really great, great way to close out uh, a massive show. 
just I, I loved it from top to bottom. Everything I think was good. I suppose the match of the night obviously goes to you know the first one between Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson, and probably the weakest one for my my taste was probably the MJF Brian Pillman. But if that's what you're calling the bad match of the night, you can sort of get an indication of just how superb it's been. And of course, that brings us up to Rampage, filmed um, on the same night, which is a bit of a shame, um, but my goodness, another stacked card. And it was just, you know, it didn't, I don't think it quite lived up to the highs of Dynamite, but still pretty good. So let's have a look at that one. Now they went out big for this show, like they did on the Wednesday show, or, you know, Thursday, our time. I suppose you kind of have to, don't you? If you're going to open your Dynamite with Omega and Brian Danielson, then you better offer up something pretty good for Rampage 2. And, and they really did. They gave us CM Punk versus Will Powerhouse Hobbs, Punk's first televised match in seven years, as we were told 7,000 times before the match and during the match. Uh, side note, I kind of want them to stop doing that. We've we've had Punk's first appearance in seven years, his first match in seven years, and now we've had his first televised match in seven years. I'm not sure how much milk there is left in that udder anymore. I kind of think we can move on from the returning aspect because otherwise they're going to have to start getting into cities or something or you know it'll be punk's first non-televised interview segment in seven years or something i don't know it's 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 getting a little bit tedious appreciate that he's back and it's been a long time but he has been back a little while now and i kind of just want to see more of what he does so well which is the talking and the wrestling, and I think he demonstrated that in his segment the other night with the talking part, and in the match, in, in this part, I thought this was a really good match. I think you have to give CM Punk the the hugest amount of respect and credit for coming back and taking on two opponents in his first two matches that couldn't be any more different. It's incredible that for his first two opponents, he's chosen Darby Allen and Will Hobbs. They are just completely chalk and cheese in terms of style and in size. And it's amazing that he's been able to make both of them work. I thought that he did a great job here of making Hobbs look like an absolute beast. Made him look like a million bucks and still made that, that finish believable. Like it didn't seem silly that he was going over it felt like an earned victory it felt like a sort of scrappy underdog thing really well done and i just you know there's these people that just love to criticize and they'll say that you know he shouldn't have gone over over hobbs because hobbs is the young guy hobbs is fine hobbs is fine he looked amazing He's only got places to go. He hasn't been in the business that long. He hasn't been in AEW, you know, upper carter that long. He's going to be fine. Um, I, I can't wait to see more involving him. And I mean, it was nice to see him getting such, you know, uh, a high spot and such a, a wonderful event, given some of the, the sadness that's happened in his personal life recently. Um, he lost his mother a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you guys know that. Um, he was talking about it on Twitter and so, you know, very sad for him and his life. It was so nice to be able to see him be embraced in that way, at least in his professional life. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a really good match. Really enjoyed it. I um, thought it was a very strong opener. Not as, not as strong as the opener the other night, but we're not going to see anything open a Dynamite or a Rampage that strong ever again, I don't think. Um, boy. Tony Khan, please, please prove me wrong. You could prove me wrong on that any time. I whatever, whatever you want to do to prove me wrong, I I will be more than happy to eat crow on that. Next match, of course, was oh man, sorry, just remembering uh, the Young Bucks and Adam Cole versus Jurassic Express and Christian, and Adam Cole 
how how can you be that over you know it's 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 kind of a little bit awkward almost because he is the heel ultimately he is supposed to be the baddie and the crowd pop for him in ways that i mean aside from punk when he came back and you know daniel uh, Brian Danielson, when he came back, I was going to get that right one day as well. You know, I am going to finally lose the habit of calling him Daniel Bryan. Um, the pops he's getting, that Adam Cole baby, the apparently reading everyone who was live at the venue said it was the loudest pop they've ever heard, or one of the loudest pops they've ever heard. He is so over, and again, exactly what you would expect in terms of um one of these matches. I'm I'm on board with the rest of the people and saying that I really hope that they bring in a, a trios title because I just thought this was so great, some incredible spots uh, during during the match. I mean Cole hitting Luchasaurus with that Panama Sunrise was just exquisite, and of course you know the Bucks hit him with the yeah you know the BTE trigger to end the match. It it, it was. A great finish. And of course, as the young bucks are want to do, they create an iconic image of them kissing uh, Adam Cole on, on each cheek while he's got while he's got Jungle Boy tied up. Oh man. If it's not a shirt yet, I assume um it's it's gonna be it's gonna be soon. Um also I think Christian deserves a lot of um credit for what he's doing here if there's a guy i feel sorry for in AEW the most uh it's it's probably christian you know i think he was sort of sabotage not sabotage that implies it was intentional but he was sort of undermined a bit accidentally at the start when people didn't think he was worth the hype of his debut which is which is sad because christian's amazing he he's one of the the greats as far as i'm concerned um and I think he's been doing such incredible work while he's been back with AEW. I I don't think I think that's a bit of an unpopular opinion, but yeah, I th- I think he's been awesome, and I think he did that again here, putting guys over, but doing it um, while making himself look strong and them look strong. He's he's a technical he's a technical whiz. I hear some people saying that they would like to see him go heel because he's just that damn good on the mic. I I don't really mind either way. I I'm enjoying him. As a babyface, I'm really enjoying this alliance he's got with Jurassic Express. I mean, I'm happy for it continued. The match was, I think it was excellent. And I think that it was a bit predictable in terms of the result. But what, 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 of course, what else would it be? You know, we're putting, we're putting Cole over and we're leading to a one-on-one this week with Jungle Boy, which we can get into later. I'll be happy to discuss that later, my thoughts on that. Because I do think it's perhaps a little bit soon, but... I mean, what a match that's going to be. Next up was the men of the year versus Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I love Jericho. He's, I'm on the boat. Well, no pun intended because we're talking about Chris Jericho here, but I'm probably on that boat, which thinks he's the GOAT. I just think he's amazing. I think the way his career has traversed so many peaks and valleys and has had so much variety and he's done such amazing things and can still cut it today at 50 um, puts him in that category for me this feud though I I'm not a fan of I I liked the Dan Lambert stuff at first I thought it was genuinely funny when I thought it was like a one-off I was like well this is pretty neat he's just playing angry Jim Cornette and he's given us crap. I thought it was really, really funny. I was laughing out loud, cackling at some of the stuff he was saying. Came back for a second time. I was like, okay, well, this is a bit weird. Um, I can get behind this. This is still funny. Um, The fact that it keeps going though, and now it's involving this weird unity between MMA fighters uh, and wrestlers, I don't particularly like it. I think it's getting a bit boring I, th- I thought that the little promo battle that he and jericho had last week was was kind of funny i didn't particularly like jericho's lame homophobic dig about who's on top um yeah that i could i could have lived without that it wasn't i mean it wasn't offended i was just 
a little bit embarrassed more than anything. Um, and I, I actually kind of dig Ethan Page. This heel turn of Scorpio Sky, though, is just awful. I just awful. Um, the least believable heel turn I've I've ever seen. And and to be honest, that's that's a bit of a credit to Sky for being how I like. He just strikes me as the nicest person, and it's just hard to see him trying to be a baddie. He just I I don't see it. I know he used to be back in the day. That was kind of his gimmick, but in this environment i just it just doesn't work for me and i think that sort of carried over in to the match uh yeah i thought it was pretty pretty average um definitely the weakest one on the uh, on the card i thought it was i thought that um jericho did a really cool lion salt it amazes me he still does that move um and hager you know he looks fine but yeah, I thought it was that you know we had a roll up with an inside cradle to win. Ugh, not not big on those to be honest. It's up there with a DQ win for me. Um, and then the after melee I thought was just it really kind of had go away heat for me. And this kills me to say it because I used to say I love Jericho. I just think he's so far above this. I just think that he's slumming it, um, and th- it just all seems very directionless. It's such a weird thing that MMA fighters—you'd think they'd throw the best working punches, and they're probably the worst because they don't seem to know how to do it. Because they actually, you know, they're not trying to not hurt people when they punch; they want to hurt you badly. And the the punches that Jericho was taking, oh. Boy, they would look like something Shane McMahon um, would 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 throw. It was just it's so weird. I I don't get the story. I don't like it. The match was there was I mean there was nothing wrong with it. It just was nothing. I would rather they put Hikaru Shida on the card personally, like anywhere. Just put her anywhere. I don't I don't care where. Just give her a, a match against the broom or against Kenny Omega's blow up doll. I'll, I'll take that over, over this, to be honest, it just didn't do it for me. And similar talking about things that don't do it for me is, is the Hardy family office who are in the next match against the Lucha brothers, Santana and Ortiz, which is just this one. I think they did need to save for a pay-per-view if only because of the fact there's that many people in the ring and they're that damn talented. Um, You've got, I mean, the Lucha Brothers are the tag team champions for a start, so they need to be showcased in a decent long match, I would have thought. Santana and Ortiz, awesome. Love them. Can't wait for them one day to be the tag champions, finally. I think they're doing amazing work. Private Party, just incredible. Mark Quinn, the shooting star press he does, I'm amazed he hasn't bumped his head on the lights of the arena. He gets up so damn high. He is incredible. But I think they're just being held back by Matt Hardy. And I don't mean that like because I don't like Matt Hardy. I like Matt Hardy a lot. This gimmick, though, this, this Hardy family office thing is just not good for anyone, though. The only guys that seem to fit in okay with it, I think, are the Butcher and the Blade. Because I like that idea that they are this uh, mercenary team. I think that's really cool and it suits them well. So it makes sense that he's hired them. But... I just wish Private Party could go their separate ways from this whole thing. TH2 could go their separate ways from this whole thing. It's just not doing it for me. And that really reflected itself in this match where you have three of the best tag teams that you could ever want to put together and Butcher and the Blade, who are also, I think, an excellent tag team. I realize I'm sort of sound like I'm throwing them under the bus. I really like Butcher and the Blade. I just don't think they're in the same league as those other three teams, particularly the Lucha Brothers. And you've neutered, essentially, the the Lucha Brothers' impact by having it watered down with three other teams. They're a quarter of the match, and I just 
don't think that necessarily works. Again, it could possibly work on pay-per-view where you get a lot of time and you get a lot of build and you get a lot of spots that are really cool. But it just, I mean, you've got the Lucha Brothers and the and Proud and Powerful teaming up based off one episode of Dynamite, I think. And the the union appears to be that they're both Hispanic. I mean, okay, the Lucha Brothers are Mexican. Santana and Ortiz are Puerto Rican, I think. Not sure. It, that seems a bit tenuous of an alliance for me. Um, so, yeah, really disappointed with this one. I, I, I would like to see the Lucha Brothers get treated a bit better, frankly. And I would like to see them actually building to a feud with... Um, Santana and Ortiz because I think that would be a phenomenal match that would be a real clash of styles um and I think we would have some of the most memorable spots that you'd ever see um so yeah probably not quite the weakest match on the card that would definitely go to the one before this um but the you know up there and unfortunately we get a third match in a row that isn't great um yeah just got Anna Jay and Penelope Ford and they've done an okay job in building up this one I suppose um and I've just talked about how we want to see more women's wrestling I still think that Penelope seems really green um nothing against her because I do I do really like her I think she's actually I, I remember really enjoying a match that she had last year on the Jericho Cruise I can't even remember who was in it I just remember being no no sorry I lied no 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 it wasn't that it was the one that she had with uh Sheeta I think it was and I remember thinking I'd heard that she was um still training was very new and expected very little and she actually had an outstanding match so she's definitely capable of it but these are two very very green wrestlers um put in a big spot and it was it was fine actually like it sounds like i'm really bagging it it was just um it just felt a bit flat and i think perhaps part of that is also the fact that this was such a long filming session and if this was sort of showcased in the order of how it went on tv like dynamite was done first and then rampage and we had dark and stuff in between that crowd was probably pretty done by this point um so a bit disappointing um yeah i the the brass knuckles thing again not huge on that it's it's a bit a bit lame the sort of i'll echo the sentiments of a lot of other people getting a bit tired of the referees looking so stupid in AEW and the baby faces also looking so stupid um but yeah it was it was it was predictable and it was fine um it was cool that the dark order came out at the end i i like this idea that the um dark order is kind of perhaps getting united by Anna J being back um although they sort of then undermine that a little bit at the end but yeah it, it was a fine match um uh, nothing to write home about won't remember it probably in two weeks time to be fair but um yeah it, it was a shame that we sort of had that run of three matches in a row that weren't particularly memorable um particularly when you've got the lucha brothers in there i'll never i i i'll, I'll refuse to ever understand it. i will not i will refuse i don't think i'll ever be able to comprehend that and of course, next up, we've got Suzuki Gun versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. So, I, I, pretty, I, I, I've really enjoyed the build to this one. Um, big fan of Lance Archer. I think he's hilarious. I like his um, his gimmick and his style. I <laughs> I'll never stop marking out for him hitting random people on the way to the ring. That is one of those things that I can't believe more wrestlers don't do. Um, I kind of miss him doing it every time, but it was really cool to see him beating up ringside people and using that um, as a way to set up a spot. I thought that was really clever, like having him beat up four different ringside attendants, you know, four different plants, and then, you know, using them to catch as he throws a, someone out over the over the top rope. Um, I thought that was very cool. Um, the match itself was, was, was entertaining. Um, you know, it was exactly what you'd expect. 
I don't know about putting someone in the trash can and then hitting the trash can. Um, like that's supposed to be worse than just hitting them with the trash can or hitting them with the stick separately. But whatever, it's suspension of disbelief. We will, um, we'll just let that be. I mean, I love watching Suzuki and Moxley. I think they have incredible chemistry. I, I think they're very entertaining. And of course, it was a nice spot to have Homicide come out at the end and make the save. I, I don't have much to say about this match, actually, which is a bit sad because I realize that I've kind of just bagged on the last three matches, which is really giving this whole review a real negative vibe. Sorry about that. That's that's not intentional. But I almost don't feel like there's... What can you say about this? There's no story to be told. It's, it is exactly what you expect it to be. And it was probably a bit rushed. Like, they didn't really have much time to do what they wanted to do. Again, I think if you saw this in a pay-per-view you would um you'd be able to give it 25 minutes or so and it, it would get really ugly you know sort of like that Kenny and uh Moxie match from a couple of years ago where you know they peeled up to expose the the wood the beams under the um under the ring mat and that kind of thing but you know it, it was fun it was it was a good way to to end the show I, you know and a lovely pop from having homicide come out and really get the the new york crowd going pretty cool um yeah all in all though um you know rampage rampage was was fine um yeah it, it, it was fine it, it it was stacked at the front and the back it struggled a bit in the middle i think definitely not as good as dynamite although there's no reason why you would expect it to be when they've sort of managed our expectations for it to be the b show uh, i heard someone i think it was jd from ny saying that they would probably have preferred to have had the first night as a three-hour show and um this one is a one-hour show and i think that that could possibly be a solution or alternatively hopefully going forward we can see them uh separately film i suppose uh rampage rather than it being taped and done in the same session especially especially if it is going to be a two-hour show like that because there was a distinct lack of energy and you don't want them to you don't want crowd sweetening crowd sweetening's a bit bit lame because if, if a crowd's sitting on their hands and you can hear these massive cheers it it, it doesn't exactly doesn't exactly exactly scream authenticity does it so I mean, a huge week, huge week. Um, I'll take it. I've I've nitpicked the crap out of that second show, but all in all, it's nitpicking from a place where the standards are so high, because the highs are so high, and the content is that damn consistent. That if you'd have given me that two years ago, that show as a dynamite, I probably would have been pretty happy. You know, I would have been like, that was amazing. That was really good. But AEW are doing such a good job of delivering good content and good matches consistently that here I can find myself moaning uh, like a bitter old smark over three matches that weren't even that bad. And of course, that brings us to this upcoming week. And again, just what a week it is it's insane the card they're putting on first of all we have a tnt title match sammy guevara versus Miro. now to be honest with you i really wish that this had more of a build i kind of hope that they subvert my expectations and this is going to be something different and it's actually going to be the start of a longer feud or something because i really want sammy to win it i, I don't know if i'm particularly fond of him being a baby face and i don't want him I don't know how I feel about him winning when he hasn't been on TV for a few weeks and this feud is essentially one week old and has evolved one promo from Sammy Guevara. But regardless, um, it should be a, a gun match. Two completely different styles. Um, two over-performers just going at it. I, regardless of what happens, um, even if I don't necessarily agree with the way it's been... Uh, promoted so far I, I can't wait to see it I think it should be an amazing match then we've got Jungle Boy versus Adam Cole and you talk about over performers two of the most over guys in the company 
two of the best performers. <laughs> this is a huge match, and I like I can't honestly see. I can't predict which way it's going to go. I guess Cole through interference. I don't know, but either way. I cannot wait to see this. Two similarly sized guys, two similar styles, uh, two, as I say, charismatic dudes. This one's going to be massive. I can't believe they're giving us this already. Unbelievable. We then have Penelope Ford and The Bunny versus Anna Jay and Tay Conti. Look, I've had criticisms of their last match involving these performers. Um, I'm hoping that this will be quite a bit better. I appreciate that they're giving it the time, they're giving the feud a decent run, and it's actually got more story than Miro versus Sammy Guevara, considerably more. Uh, it's It's got a similar sort of amount of story as the Adam Cole Jungle Boy stuff, and that's cool. I appreciate that they're actually giving it the effort and letting it breathe. I also think a tag match is a really good way to get people, especially with some of those newer, greener wrestlers that are so young, uh, a chance to sort of showcase strengths and perhaps hide a few of those weaknesses that are inevitable when you're in your early 20s and wrestling on an international stage. So I'm, I'm optimistic about that one. I'm hoping and I'm sure we're going to get something pretty decent out of it. And finally, this one's a bit of a dark horse. I don't know what the story is here, but Cody and Lee Johnson versus Matt Seidel and Dante Martin, which should be an extraordinary match. Two high flyers versus two real technical proficient, uh, two technical technically proficient guns. Um, and, and Lee Johnson can do a bit of high flying himself. Again, I don't know what the story is here. Give it to me though, can't wait. Rampage, only one match announced so far. Here versus here between Orange Cassidy and Jack Evans. <sighs> I mean, if it helps bring Hardy Family Office stuff to a close, then I'm totally on board. I just fear that it won't. And I really hope Jack Evans gets his hair cut because I'm yet to see a hair versus hair match where the guy with the long hair actually loses their hair. Also, I just really like Orange Cassidy. So that's what's coming up this week on AEW. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. If you've made it this far, if you've been able to handle my opinions without wanting to strangle me, or if you've made it this far listening to my opinions and wanting to strangle me, still, thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm hoping that we can start this as something regular. As I say, we'll be going on social media. I've set up a Twitter page. It's not live, um, or there's nothing on it yet at the moment. We'll sort of look into doing Facebook and then promoting and doing a bunch of different stuff. But if you've got any any feedback at all or you'd like to chat, the email address for the moment is allelitenz at gmail.com. Um, I just chose that just because it's shorter to type. I know the name of the show is All Elite Aotearoa, but um, you know, I just thought that that would, might be a bit simpler. might change it in the future. Who knows? It's an empty mailbox at the moment. So if you would like to contact me, please do. Again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you've had fun and I really cannot wait to see the matches that come out this week. Thanks so much for your time. Ka kite anō.